Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. My name is John. This is Crystal. I'm Mark. I'm Zoe. We talk about the joys and the challenges of teaching music in the elementary school classroom. We share inspiration. We share struggles. We brainstorm solutions. We would love to have you join us. How do I teach a socially distanced music class with no singing and no instruments? This is the question that I have seen posted over and over again on Facebook and all of the elementary music teacher groups that I'm a part of. Well, friends, listening back to this conversation that we had all the way back in March with Dr. David Frigo, when we very first were just dipping our toe in the water of this whole quarantine business, we answered that question. And it's fascinating because we didn't even know that we would need it back then. Dr. David Frigo is a Dal Crow's Eurythmics master, and he is also the director of the School of Music for Penn State, and it was such a privilege to catch him over Zoom back in the good old days when me, Zoe, Mark, and John could actually be together around the table in my house recording our podcast. I hope that you enjoy this podcast. If you're listening in 2020, I hope it gives you some hope and some great ideas for some things that you can do in a socially distanced, instrument-free, singing-free classroom that'll get you through this year. And if you're listening to it when times are a little bit more normal, I hope that you can begin to understand the magic that Dalcro's Eurythmics can bring to your music class. Enjoy and travel back with me back in time. Hi, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about building a culture of movement mm. in your music room. I'm all about that. I know. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> I had never given much thought to movement before I became an orchestral work teacher. I did not um, have a good situation to teach movement in my classrooms before, uh, especially when I was on a cart. You know, the kids are all sitting in desks. We did yeah. a lot of music history. Um, I'll, I'll be honest that when I first started teaching general music, it was a lot of teachers pay teachers like, let's cut out facts about Mozart and paste right. them in order and listen to his music while we do it. And then all of my rehearsals were like about the musical that we were putting on um, for Christmas. So. Uh, when I first like encountered Orff Schulwerk and started incorporating movement with the music, it became really clear, like, oh, this is really important because then the kids can experience in their body how the music right. flows. No, it's yeah. so fascinating. Like, I, same here. Mm -hmm. When I started teaching music, it was very much more of what we like to call the conservatory approach. Yes. And even when I got my feet into Orff, I was still very reserved about movement. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really until... Well, about my second year or so teaching the Orff style. But then when I started uh, working with my choir, mm -hmm. I don't remember the song per se, but we were looking for an emotion to try to evoke how I wanted to sing because everyone was being very harsh. And I said, I referred back to the, the, the La Bonne movements. Like, guys, I don't want you to punch. I want you to... Oh, dab. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And it just their, their voices changed. And then they got it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful. Um, and, uh, and I think that um, until you experience the magic of it, you can't really understand how important mm -hmm. it is. Like I came back from level one and I took every single chair out of my room. Oh, my kids almost never have furniture in the room anymore. Unless I have a sub. How about you guys? Yeah. I removed all chairs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, that's <laughs> not true. Room. I have the chairs on wheels and I okay. kind of rolled them over. And then with this band, you know, you got to pull them out. Sure. Yeah. I have but, an orchestra. Overall. I've never had chairs. Oh. Oh, so, oh Mark's next fancy. level. I, mostly it was just because the classroom I had like didn't have chairs when I first took over. So <laughs> okay, I, okay, never, got I it. never wanted them. So. <laughs> huh? How do you do the band stuff? 
Um, creatively. I, I didn't really have band my first. Right. Yeah, Still right. Yeah, absolutely. No movement. Marching band from Marching day band. one. <laughs> absolutely. Um, That's a very different kind of movie. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, so we, we didn't really have uh, much classroom furniture when I first started. And mm-hmm. then when I first started, like, we didn't have the VH1 grid yet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Or save the music So grid. you didn't have the instruments. Right. Sure. So, right. But... Eventually we got chairs, but they've always lived off to the side. Kids rarely sit in chairs unless we're doing drum circle. And sometimes even then we sit on the floor and do it. Mm-hmm. I found it's easier for the drum stuff. Just get on a knee, get the yeah. bucket out, just don't do it. Just mm-hmm. go ham. Yeah. Too much time lost. Yeah. Chairs. Yeah. I have chairs in my room because we have orchestra and then mm-hmm. um, we got ukuleles this year. So like sometimes we'll do like a strumming circle mm-hmm. and we have the but now i'm finding that the tr- the chairs are distractions and like mm-hmm. can be problematic cuz they're so used to not having chairs yeah. so i'm like yeah yeah i found that too um and i ha- i've also encountered the exact opposite problem where when i, I do do movement activities uh, the kids get a little crazy sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they'll think mm-hmm. like they're so used to sitting down in chairs in the classroom or running around like crazy people outside that finding some sort of like you know happy medium between yeah. the yeah. two it's really hard yeah. yes just, yeah yeah i know we talked about like have your kids blow up a space bubble around themselves and then we'll do this movement activity and if you pop somebody else's bubble you're out there's always those two knuckleheads who like immediately pop their yep. bubbles and or pop intentionally pop like six bubbles. people's bubbles. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Jason. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. oh, I have a Jason too. <laughs> yeah. I just pulled a name out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have my other names reserved. <laughs> right. I know. Oh man. But it's actually it is fascinating. The more you really have to instill the parameters because mm-hmm. chairs give parameters you're sitting there you, can, you mm-hmm. cannot move if they do move we can hear it mm-hmm. but like with movement the, mm-hmm. the whole classroom is their seat and I remember yeah. one time moving into the NPR just for one day because there was an issue going on so we moved into the uh, multi-purpose room there's a lot of space and yep. so there were a couple of things we're gonna run exactly yep Mrs. Pridmore's theory of child development, point number one. If there is a space of 10 feet or further for a child to move, the child will cover that distance by running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1.0 for Crystal Pridmore. Yeah, I'm just, but you know, I'm just large saying. spaces, circle games, you can actually run. This is true. That's so like true. Charlie over the Ocean, I had a group mm-hmm. of, there were two classes of first graders just because logistics didn't work out this one particular day. So it was a nice day outside, so we went out to the playground, out to the area where, like, kids don't play, and I sat them all down, and we played Charlie of the Ocean for a little bit, and then we did a movement partner activity. It was a mirror activity, and so we were out there on the grass, and the kids were mirroring, and they were doing all that stuff, um, and they did it really well. Nice. Um, and so I had I had just gotten a new speaker. It was uh, the Ultimate Ears, one of, their, uh, uh, one of their speakers, and it's fairly loud. So I took it out. When the music starts, like you mo- do a movement and you mirror your your partner, and so then the kids started traveling and doing all that other stuff. And so when you look at it, it just look, like it looks like what is happening right now, but like the kids knew what they were doing, they knew what they were focused on, and it was really cool. It's like to give that just completely open space of a playground, um, and like you could you could look at the situation like oh crud, I have two uh, I have two first grade classes. What the heck am I going to do with them? Mm-hmm. But we went outside. We moved, and it was successful. The kids had fun. They were they got they got a chance to move. They sung and got to run around with Charlie of the Ocean too. So mm-hmm. it was successful. Without awesome. movement, Yay. we would have been a hot mess. You'd have been stuck. On a nice day, um, if they if a class has filled up their sticker chart for behavior, we start music class outside, mm-hmm. and in the grass is just the best. 
like singing in a in a circle and then doing I, we love bluebird you know that one bluebird bluebird through my window and then we hold, link hands and hold them high and then somebody gets to like run in and out of the windows it's really fun do you have them have their shoes off um not outside no that's a little too dangerous yeah and um and i have to be careful with shoes off because the little kids absolutely love it the big kids uh feel very vulnerable Mm -hmm. if they're asked to take their shoes off in my classroom i find they're just so self-conscious and i think Mm. it's just i think part of it is like the trauma you know based thing like any anything that they feel they don't have control over um, I have to be just very aware of that. So sure. I, I like, I read the room, you know, like if somebody's feeling like... Or the grass. Or the grass. <laughs> yeah, we keep shoes on outside. You just never know what's in the grass. But um, if, if anybody's uncomfortable with shoes off, I, you know, don't make them do it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys do shoes off? No. 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 I'm just curious. I don't yeah. want to smell 30 feet. The thing is about the grass. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, there's I understand there's the big, you know, the X factor. But yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be so fun. I, the hobbits, you know. When um, <laughs> when we first came back from winter break with first and second grade, we did some dancing with shoes off, and yeah. the little kids loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Really cute. Like um, they took off their shoes and we put them in a row. And it's like, oh, it looks like a lot of you guys got new shoes for Christmas, and so we talked about that. Mm. <laughs> um, and it was crazy sock day, so okay. we got to Fine. see everybody's socks. So I don't know. You, you just got to use your judgment on that one. But I love I love dancing with shoes off because you can just be connected to the ground it's kind of a mindfulness thing it really brings your mind to the present when yeah. you can feel every movement you're making feeling the earth and like also like where your body pressures are it's a yeah. very different feeling i love it it is i keep dancing shoes in my classroom um mm. i grew up dancing like doing ballet and lyrical and jazz and all that stuff so i i have my dance shoes that i keep in the classroom and i think that that's helpful too for the kids to see me change my shoes um so that they see oh i'm getting ready for dancing and i don't know it's it's all it all goes into that culture you know we're going to come back to a lot of this discussion but we do have a guest that i'm going to get on zoom dr david frigo from penn state um, has very generously agreed to help us have this discussion so i'm going to pull him up and hear what he has to say dr frigo thank you so much for joining us Happy to do this today. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. We're thrilled to have you. We just had a a little discussion before we called you about how we have been trying to shift the culture in our classrooms because a lot of our kids had never had music class before we started our programs. Um, And we loved what you had to say when you came to San Diego and gave your workshop about creating a culture of movement. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so helpful. So first of all, we'd love to hear about who you are and what you do. And then your further thoughts about that. Sure. Uh, Well, first off, I'm David Frigo. I'm the director of the School of Music at Penn State University. um, And I fell into administration because I was probably one of those people who turned his paperwork in soon. And so (laughs) they probably, you know, look at that as a positive thing. Uh, But my area of uh, specialty in music education is Delcro's Eurythmics. And Mm -hmm. that is an approach to understanding music through the body. And it is creating this triangle of the brain, the body, and then the spirit of music to Mm -hmm. really bring it all together. Um, We oftentimes teach this with adults and, you know, high school students, but we find that children react to it so readily Mm -hmm. because they learn by doing. They're kinesthetic learners Mm -hmm. more than they are readers or more than they are listeners that they learn by, by doing. 
So uh, this was a natural for me. Mm -hmm. As a child, I had this growing up. And I didn't know it was just music class, but we took our shoes off when we went into the music room and we moved around the whole time and just loved everything we did. And later, um, when I was teaching, um, I had this experience of Delcros and I said, you know, to somebody beside me, I've done this before. I know this. Huh. And uh, it, it just uh, caused me to seek, uh, seek it out and to find uh, how it works and how we can apply it in different populations. Mm. Wow, that's wonderful. I, I know for me, it was really affirming when I took ORF and, and got a little bit into Dalcros to see that um, the way that I learned and experienced music was actually research-based and, and valid because I was not particularly good at the theory or writing things down, but I could feel and I could move and I made up songs. Um, right. And so I, that's what I love is just empowering every single child in my classroom to, to be creators through movement. On top of that also, I, if I may, if I may uh, something that you said about the whole triangle aspect, mm -hmm. um, when we did ORF movement, I really enjoyed it. But when you came in, the mind aspect, because I just am very oriented by both movement and also of the cognition. And so mm -hmm. what you had to share was like, oh my gosh, I'm learning so much and I love it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's interesting how all of a sudden the mind gets, it kicks in in these activities and mm -hmm. there's a sense of, oh, I have to really think here yeah. in yes. order to, to make that work. And then when people come out of that experience, there's a sense of joy. Yeah. And that's where the spirit comes in, that there's a sense of they were focused so completely that they come out and feel joyful about it. And when I'm working with children and we do this, they come out of the experience and all of a sudden they all start clapping. <laughs> and they're not clapping because, you know, they appreciate it. They're clapping because they're joyful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so we've we've been working on getting our kids comfortable with taking off their shoes and coming mm -hmm. into music class and dancing. Um, and so I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. I, I think that children don't move enough in general um, right now and dancing is kind of one of those lost things. Um, so little kids easily do it, but uh, we're trying to convince, you know, fourth, fifth yeah. and sixth graders that <laughs> moving to music is a good idea. Do you have any, um, any ideas for people who are kind of in that boat? Sure. Uh, the, the first thing is, you're right, if you have them from a young age, when they get into grades four and five, they just expect that that's what happens in music class. Right. And so they, they get to it. And if you have a child transfer in, they quickly figure out that, dude, this is what you're supposed to do. And <laughs> they, they jump on board with it. Uh -huh. um, starting it at the later age has some other challenges. And mm -hmm. But I first off, when I finished uh, my elementary teaching in Toronto, they were coming up with rules that the students could not, not take off their shoes in case there was a fire drill right. and a whole bunch of things. So I had to make some adjustments to it, but I still was working on a hardwood floor um, mm -hmm. that, that we could do it. They just couldn't have any noisy shoes, you know, okay. that clicked or anything on the floor as they as they did that. So you may have some pushback at some point about shoes and and you know what they can what can wear. Yeah, I have a new doctoral student. Um, I had her when I was at Texas as a master student, and she's been teaching for over eight years now, um, and now she's working on her PhD. But she found that making a culture of movement also in, uh, went hand in hand with teaching children to be kind. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was a real eye-opener for me wow. because 
I just expected it, but she has always taught in the inner city schools and there was a sense of competitiveness and aggressiveness that she found that she had to spend the first, I would say even a couple of months, of course it depends on the class because they could all be different, on how to move and how to be kind mm-hmm. and and you know if you bump into somebody you know how you quickly say i'm sorry and, and mm-hmm. move on so she created this culture of movement through a culture of kindness mm-hmm. um and so i i really like this thought of um of, of combining the two um so i'm going to take you back to the early grades when i'm first working with young uh, children let's say kindergarten and they see a big space they just want to run screaming into the <laughs> arms out wide and uh-huh. this is what they get so uh i start with uh hula hoops on the floor and everybody mm-hmm. is at a hula hoop and they learn the, uh, some directions of inside outside around one foot in one foot out so they have all of these things that they can do mm-hmm. with movement uh, and with direction of what they're doing and then they change and move to a new hula hoop and so gradually they start mm-hmm. to expand their their concept of space okay. so we start with a limited space and then we move on to a larger sense of um, space in the room that they can move around eventually uh, I would say within three months that we're doing something and then with the queue they have to just move to another hula hoop and there could be more than one person at that hula hoop and that's okay. Then they move again and they move again. So they then start to think ahead to where they're moving rather than reacting and then bumping into somebody. Hmm. Oh, wow. It's fascinating that you say that, or your, your colleague says, both of you say, that uh, movement is tied in with kindness when for me it's so... Uh, the first thing I think about the the inverse is competitiveness from sports, yeah. which my my school is very sports heavy, and I t- it's funny how movement can either go towards the competitiveness or kindness depending on how you teach it. Right. It is. Yeah. Now it's interesting because I see things that have to do with. Um, uh, let's say folk dance that mm-hmm. leans on the kindness yes. side mm-hmm. um but things that move and, and of course we always call the activities we're doing games and the moment you you know you think that it's a game then there's a winner and a loser and they always right. learn pretty quickly that we're all winners in this game that we're doing mm-hmm. but i still am emphasizing that idea of we all come out of this with joy and so that's one of the things that my doctoral student is writing about now in her dissertation is the idea of let's teach with kindness and see you know where this leads us hmm. yeah and and when we're talking folk dance and that is connectedness to each other as well mm-hmm. not just dancing in your own little bubble mm-hmm. So something that I seem to forget every year when I uh, come in and I get my brand new batch of kindergartners is that very small children cannot dance without laughing (laughs) uncontrollably. And it's adorable and it's maddening. (laughs) So any, any thoughts on that? Sure. And, mm-hmm. and you know what? I don't want to discourage the laughing. Yeah. You know, I don't want to discourage it. So it's it's uh-huh. got to happen. And they'll get giggled <laughs> and all sorts of things. But eventually there's sometimes to say, okay, now you're going to feel like you need to laugh and you need to hold it in. You know, you need to, you need to hold, hold it in to do it. It's funny. I always did a game with kindergarten class where I'll say, okay, we're going to have a big celebration, but only if you don't laugh. And then I tell the story and I throw the word underwear into the story. Well, the moment you say that word, it's wow. <laughs> So I'm teaching them this idea of keeping it in, and then I'll throw the word underwear again. Oh, that's so funny. So they eventually 
get the idea that they can hold it. It's almost like flooding the situation, <laughs> no, in order to. Oh, I love that. I don't <laughs> think I could deliver that story without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, so it is okay, but I, I don't know if I told the group that I worked with where you, you were in there. When I first started doing movement with uh, young children, I do stop and go games. And so mm -hmm. when I do go, they get to walk anywhere in the room. When I say stop, they stop. Mm -hmm. And there are two things I have to do right away. I teach stop within two seconds of go, mm -hmm. so they understand that they don't just keep wandering around, they have mm -hmm. to stop. Mm -hmm. And the second part is they have to learn if you stop and fall down because they want to stop and get a bit silly and mm -hmm. you know, you know, mm -hmm. go stand on one foot and fall down, then you gotta, you know, sit out two turns. So mm -hmm. they go over to the side for two, they're ready, they wanna come back, they wanna come back. So I would say it's a quick prep into teaching how to move safely mm -hmm. and how not to waste time in the stop and go activity uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing it with the drum and I'm tapping on the drum and they're moving away Then I eventually I could take it to a keyboard. Um, but the idea, then I'm changing the speed. So I could be tapping very fast. And so their, you know, their little legs are moving quickly or I could be tapping very slowly, but I'm using metaphors too, saying you're giants, you're mm -hmm. bumblebees, you're, you're doing things. And so they start to react that way uh, as they're as they're doing it so um i've never met a child who doesn't like this way of learning so if i have to call on them to sit out for a couple of times they're okay with it i mean they realize it they made that mistake but they want to come back in so it's just it's just a quick um a training uh, to do that. And it's the same with boys or girls. And it could even mm -hmm. be an accident that they fell down, but that's okay. It's just two times, right. you know, they get right. to come back. Did I drift off topic there? No, no. all of it oh. is very relevant. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah, it is. And also if you do, we're absorbing so much. So I know. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we will take whatever you throw at us. Even uh, underwear, just throw underwear. Uh, underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to circle back a little bit to talking about how um, the Dalcroze Eurythmics addresses theory because, um, you know, it is wonderful. It helps you understand how music flows into itself. And also, my brain hurts so much by the time you were done with us. It hurts so much. All that solfege. And yet it was accessible in a way that... Um, I hadn't really understood before. So how how is it that we're able to teach theory and sequencing and move and have so much fun all at once? And I don't know, I would love to hear you talk about that. It's interesting because here at Penn State, I, I don't have a, an official teaching role. Hmm. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I'm good at bossing people around, but um, <laughs> I don't I believe do, that for a second. Oh, <laughs> you trick them I into do, it. <laughs> I do insert myself into the theory and oral skills classes. Okay. So that means I find out what it is that they're working on. It could be, you know, secondary dominance or something. Mm -hmm. And so I come into the class and the instructors are there, but I'm showing how it's done through movement mm -hmm. and it's interesting when i'm working with college students the eyes light up to say mm -hmm. i've been struggling with this concept i've been struggling and all of a sudden i get it yeah. and it's because that there could be primarily kinesthetic learners right. Uh, right in in doing this so a good example and i don't know if i did this or maybe marlon might have done this where i'm playing a one chord and people are walking forward mm -hmm. i play a yeah. five seven chord they're walking backwards mm -hmm. i play a four chord they're walking sideways i play a six chord they're walking in a circle but then i can get into a two chord and a secondary dominant that resolves and they're all doing different things with this and what's happening is 
they're learning that the body reacts before the brain figures out what cord it is. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes. So you're doing all this activity and your body, you you're, you hear it, of course, but your body reacts to it. And as you're moving backwards, you're thinking, oh, yeah, because that's a um, dominant seventh cord. I'm I'm moving backwards. So it's it's playing catch up. And it's just like this for the students as well. Mm-hmm. They're doing it. Now, it's interesting. Some people may get it faster and others may follow. That means that um, a student gets it and is starting to go backwards. Somebody else may see them going backwards and think, oh, that's what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so they're learning it the other way. Does that make sense? They're yes. learning it backwards, but they learn the visual way first, and mm-hmm. then the body kicks in. So it is just fine to use multiple modalities mm-hmm. to, um, to learn the activity. Um, now, we also do solfege with this, where yes. they're stepping the scale and singing it. Um, there has been some research, but not enough to really tie it down, that children uh, understand scales um, stronger if they're seeing it forward and backwards. Mm-hmm. Now, we need to do a lot more of that, and, and mm-hmm. so I'll you know, be waiting to see how that goes. You know, and I, I think in the ORF approach, too, when they physicalize it, they're using the Kerwin hand signs. Am I mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, we could certainly do that as well if we're limited for space, but oftentimes children perceive pitch on this forward-backwards continuum. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake when I was early teaching and I put down a staff on the floor and it, they looked so awkward because they kept staring down their feet, bent over, trying to hit this staff exactly where it was. Right. Yeah. And it was so musical. <laughs> I was telling people it reminded me of the monks on the Monty Python. <laughs> So I took away that and had them perceive where the whole tone, where the semitones were and how to, to move through them um, uh, and to make it musical. Mm-hmm. The other thing here I think is very interesting is I find that children sing more musically when they're moving mm-hmm. than if they're just sitting down and Absolutely. belting out the solfege. Um, it is an odd thing, and I'm sure we all had it in our sight screaming class where we're trying to be accurate and just <laughs> belting out the notes, but not feeling the music to it. Mm-hmm. So when the body's moving, it is that sense of a musical sound that comes out. Because I think, certainly in the Delcro's world, everything we do must be musical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I have a question, mm-hmm. Dr. Frigo. So I was really inspired by um, your piano playing it really reminded me of like john cage and Merce cunningham how um it was just so connected uh and so i've been trying to like do movement activities and starting with a drum but yes. one challenge that i face is like as soon as i distance myself from like the the movement itself if i'm moving because my keyboard is on a desk if i go behind the desk to the keyboard then I've lost the attention or like, that's when things start to fall apart. So I'm wondering, like, what are some ways to, um, like, prepare that proximity from teacher to student? Sure. Um, first off, um, just talking about movement and using a drum. Oftentimes, if you're in the room with them and you start to move yourself, all of a sudden you become the Pied Piper and they're lining mm. up behind you. Yes. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and if, if they don't do that, they start going counterclockwise and then getting closer and closer as if they're going to go down yeah. the sink. You know, in the sink. 
<laughs> so <laughs> there are some cues you need to give them. And so I use the thing about you're in the city, let's go out to the country. So they go out to the sides mm. of the room and then they come back in. And I could put some people in the country and some people in the city and be moving them around um, in that sense. So they're not all clustered together. Because if I have a piano or a keyboard in a corner of the room or at a desk, I can't see everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, that's where I'm trying to, to, um, to move it around. There are times when I've had a keyboard and I've been able to put it closer to the center of the room. So mm -hmm. I get people moving in all around, you know, as we <coughs> Um, but it it, uh, it it works with very variable success on that. Um, I do the, similar to what you're saying, I do the drum, but then I take it to the keyboard because the drum is percussive. And while the keyboard's a percussive instrument, it's melodic mm -hmm. and they, they react differently mm -hmm. to a melodic cue. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it works very well for them to, to use it. Now, I try to think of keeping it short at the beginning because if it's longer you start to lose them mm -hmm. and you you extend it uh you know as the length as you're as you're working and you keep changing it because they could get complacent in what they're doing and all of a sudden i'm changing the mood or changing you know something in there when we teach the one week uh training classes everybody gets uh, an hour of piano improvisation a day. And we really start with, you've never seen a piano before, it's 88 keys to developing into, you know, now you can play for walking and running and jumping and skipping and sliding, you mm -hmm. know, the, uh, all those things. So we do give cues and little tricks on how to do this. Um, and it works particularly well for non-pianists. Mm -hmm. Know that. Great. Did I did I answer the question? I think I started yes. to go a little bit away from you. Uh, you gave some good some good pointers yes. about building them up towards it. Um, mm -hmm. There is one more thing that I'm hoping that you can touch on for us. Um, you know, all of us work in relatively high trauma schools uh, down close to the U.S. Mexico border, um, and uh, work with uh, you know inner city populations um, and. <laughs> I'm wondering if you can talk just a little bit about the importance of what we do as music teachers and especially with movement to kind of heal that trauma. Yeah. Um, now, I, I only taught in inner city schools when I was in Toronto. Um, mm -hmm. They were multicultural. It was a very different um, environment than mm -hmm. I would consider an inner city school to be in San Antonio or in... in, in San you know, Diego, a, yeah. A border city. Yeah. So, um, so, however, um, I came into this field as a therapist, and so mm -hmm. there are a number of ways that we start to, to work with people to, I don't want to say to heal, yeah. but to acknowledge where they are. So, in many times during a Delcro's class, we're not talking, they're just following the music. So, I'm saying the piano's talking, the drum is talking, and they need to follow what's happening in the drum. So, it's a bit of a safer thing, mm -hmm. particularly with um, multiple languages, mm -hmm. that they're not feeling that they don't understand because of a language barrier. They're just the, getting the idea that they understand what the music is telling them to, to do. So, that's a beginning point that I like to 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 make is that you start to talk less and have your music come out more mm -hmm. and eventually when you get to recorded music <coughs> you know having the recorded music talk uh for you as as well mm -hmm. i was going to lead into a second part of that crystal oh, oh um so oftentimes in your rhythmics and i think we did this when we were in california is that you may work with pairs or quartets or you know larger groups and when you're working with a smaller group you have a responsibility 
And so you have that sense of this is my job and I'm going to do it the best I can in order for this to work out. Mm -hmm. When it gets a larger group, you feel like you're a cog in this thing. When it's a full group, sometimes people back away because they feel like I'm not needed, I won't mm -hmm. be seen, I won't be noticed. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I'm doing um, uh, younger children or if I'm working with children who are experiencing a lot of trauma in the home or otherwise, uh, I work with smaller, I work with pairs. We don't get to have smaller classes, but we get to have larger classes when we're in pairs. So a good example is I have a four-beat pattern. One person is holding a hand drum, and the uh, the partner gets to tap it on certain beats. So the person holding the hand drum gets to tap on beat one only, mm -hmm. or beater of four four. The other person gets to tap on beat three. So they know that it's going to be one two three four one two three so they've got that they work it out now i'm going to say trade drums so now the other person has one the other they hold the drum but then i'm going to say now i'm going to get you to walk slowly around the room hmm. so now you have to negotiate space hmm. while one person is playing on one and the other person is playing on three so now it's a movement uh plastique that they're starting to feel it mm -hmm. then i get into syncopation you get to tap on the end of three so we're thinking of one, two, three, four, one, mm. two, three, four. So they start to then, you know, it to work it. But what's happening is they're interacting with their partner to make it work. They're 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 working to come up with this. And it may start like an easy thing, but then I'm adding more complications to it where they have to as someone said, make their brain hurt. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Make them focus and, and, and make them work that way. Yeah. Does that make sense? It mm -hmm. does. And, it, and that creates that culture of collaboration and that culture of kindness. And that, that yeah. makes perfect sense. Um, we didn't bring elastics to, or did we? I don't we did. We all have bags of pantyhose yes, now. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, oftentimes there are rules about lack of touch and not touching other people to do that. Now, right. when you these elastics it's okay because you're four to six feet apart from each other mm -hmm. and you start to feel the tension and relaxation of your partners mm -hmm. as you're doing that so it has a another um side effect well we're we never teach you know tension of relaxation through a cello rondo and rubato in elementary but if they start to feel it mm -hmm. when we do get to teach it in upper or middle school they they know it they feel it and know how that works. So we're teaching this, but it's an emotional connection. They feel connected to the other person emotionally. And so then it transfers into, mm -hmm. um, you know, then to a music mm -hmm. uh, concept as well. I love that. Well, David, if somebody is listening to this and they don't know um, much about Dal Crow's Eurythmics, but they are interested, where can they learn more? I always want them to go to our website for the American Eurythmic Society okay. and it's uh, one word AmericanEurythmics.org okay. I don't want to do a shameful plug but I just have to do have it <laughs> it is a great um, book yeah. Meaningful Movement Ooh, Meaningful yeah. Movement uh, that's co-written mm -hmm. with Marla Butsky uh, here we have uh, a couple of hundred activities to do and it also comes with 35 videos mm -hmm. that you can look at adults and children um you know experiencing this mm -hmm. um, but it has warm-up activities it has solfege activities movement activities um some activities for the teachers to mm -hmm. develop their chops and improvisation 
Um, and then there's a suggestion of recordings, both uh, classical and some jazz, world music and pop that they can uh, use for um, uh, active movement activities uh, in order to, to develop success. Yeah, it's really well sequenced too. I'm, I'm throwing the, the activities at my kids and they're able to take it in bite-sized bits and, and it's making a big difference. So thank you. Thank you for You're that. Welcome. And it can be very short lessons. I mean, yes. I, I think 10 minutes is plenty yes. in activity. Really, you don't want to change your curriculum. You want to enhance your curriculum. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So just, yes. just, you know, 10 minutes of a concept that you're already working on right. that right. I think be, uh, you know, really helpful for them. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate thank you taking you. the time this to talk great. to us. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Do this. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Good, good. Well, I hope we can have a, you know, a, a second chance of doing this, or yeah. that you might even envelop, uh, invite my teaching colleague to uh, help yeah, you. Yeah, Marla. Talking. Yeah, we would love to talk to Marla too. So thank you so thank much, you. David. You're welcome. I hope this helped. It did tremendously. Thank yes. you so much, and have a have a wonderful day. Thank <laughs> you. Bye now. Okay, bye. Bye. <gasps> Yay. That was so special. That was great. Wasn't that? Isn't he just delightful? He's amazing. How, yes. I wonder uh, how we can incorporate this book into the general classroom. Ooh, Mark. For more arts integration type stuff. I think that it would be really easy to do it, it because like all it. of the activities really are bite-sized. He's saying 10 minutes, and it's true. Yeah. I've, I've begun... Um, every class with a 10 minute um, activity from his book for, for the last quarter because wow. that's when I got it. Yeah. And it's really good stuff. And uh, I've been doing it during our art, arts integration on Fridays because okay. the teachers push in to my classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been neat to see how they, uh, they understand the focus activities. Yeah. Yeah. Or even presented as one of those things like, like you need to move in your classroom, mm -hmm. here's a here are concepts that you can use mm -hmm. and try to weave in if if anything like what you're learning, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a standalone piece or if it's weaved into that arts integration instead of arts as curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, just because, like you said, like kids just don't move as much in the yeah. general classroom. Like yeah. they're sitting, and like their movement is to get up and to get some water. Yeah, like yeah. you know, and that's or that's not right, right. And then you have those kids every day, like forty-five times a day, they have to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, it's just because they're not moving, and so mm -hmm. I need to get his book. I know I want it so badly. Right. It's really good. We'll put it in yeah. the link below, like yes. in the show notes. Yes. Yeah, you guys are welcome to go through it. I have it upstairs. Mark, yes. your comment yeah. reminded me of a training that I went to with the ILT the yeah. instructional leadership team at my school. Yeah. Um, we went to Montgomery High School hey. and um, right by Finney. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, it was a whole day of like instructional strategies, um, classroom management things. Yeah. And um, a lot was focused on collaboration, but a lot of it was at your table. So any opportunity because there were quite a few where we got up and walked around the room. Yeah. People were so relieved. Yeah. They were like, we're so yeah. tired of sitting. You know, yes. I wonder, and maybe it's through Dalco's Eurythmics, like, how can we make teacher professional development not suck? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because, like, yeah. I was talking with some colleagues. Um, I went to an arts leadership team training a few weeks ago, and I was talking to the colleagues, and, like, 
as a music teacher, our professional developments are so fun because we're actually doing the stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas a general education teacher, their professional developments are sitting down looking at PowerPoints with, you know, maybe some chocolate in front of you. And, like, that's, yeah. the, that's the highlight is that little piece of Snickers. Well, yeah. But, like, how can, like... There's, there has to be a better way to be able to translate that information. Well, and then there has to be a better way to model how to disseminate that information. Yeah. Because every single book about best teacher practices is don't make your kids sit down and listen right. all day. And then you learn it <laughs> by sitting down and listening all day. Right. Yeah. John. One thing that we do in the morning, uh, the Monday mornings, we have this morning, uh, Monday scrum pretty much, where we all get together. There's a whole... Um, the teachers lead some sort of activities to help motivate through the week. Mm-hmm. And... Um, a lot of times it's kind of just the conversation uh, it's conversation or not usually so sometimes they ask something creative but whenever I do it or whenever like my dance teacher leads it they yeah. just try to integrate something with movie or music it always goes smoothly because it's interactive and I, yeah. I, I would love to see how that would work for professional development it's hard because you know direct instruction is the quickest way to get stuff through but is it, is it, well, it I just think it, it, it requires wise, a little creative thinking <sighs> Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like our Orphan Delcro's workshops. It's like you have notes, they're for later. We're going <laughs> to give you it. yeah, we're going to experience a bit of this lesson and then it's up to you to read through the process after we're finished. Mm-hmm. I think sure. that like helps more but, with teacher buy-in though because yeah. if they're actually experiencing what the, te- the kids are going to experience, like they're yeah. going to want to offer that to the kids, but like I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything about retention. It's all about the quickest way to get information through. So, yeah, I agree. The I mean, you might have said the information out loud, but it's not going to stick. This is very true. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. how can I, that'd be great to see someone integrate it for general ed teachers that yeah. is more artistically done. We had, uh, like, talking about this whole concept of, like, doing and then sitting and watching. Um, we had a family arts night in uh, September, I believe. And um, we have an outside partner that we work with, and they one of the projects that was at the Family Arts Night was mm-hmm. bookmaking. And mm-hmm. So they had printed out some stuff, and like you got to make a book and whatnot. And a few of our teachers went to this Family Arts Night, mm-hmm. and they took the bookmaking from that and have integrated it into their classrooms. Wow. And so they've made these really cool books. And one of our first grade teachers, she was talking about it, and she was so excited and how they're going to do this and this and that. But that's because they got to do it and experience it. It wasn't because we sat down and talked to them like, all right, this is what like you could do. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Like mm-hmm. they, they did it. They were hands on. And that like like uh, Dr. Frigo said, Frigo, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, said um, like kinesthetics. Like we're all, I believe, at some degree, a kinesthetic learner. Totally. Um, I don't know. It's like that Orff quote. Some people attribute it to Benjamin Franklin. Um <laughs> that I heard, like, uh, tell me I forget. Um, mm. You know, you know that I one. Know, that involve that involve me, I understand yeah. is the last bit of it. Um, yeah, yeah. We we gotta we gotta learn by doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Show me I. What show is me it? I uh, remember. Okay, so tell me I forget. Show me I remember. Involve me I understand. Yeah, yeah. And dance with me. I get down. Did, <laughs> <laughs> but then, like that leads Heard to in the, the classroom. That leads to the conversation. Like, what is the point of education? Is it to re- like re- retain facts, or is it to understand? Mm-hmm. Because like to understand something is your ability to like reproduce it on a deeper level. That's where I go. Actually, the purpose of education is to create, and that's even more difficult. But right. Well, especially on a large national scale. Yeah. We're going to enter topics that are... Really, really <laughs> yeah, that is beyond the scope of this conversation. Someone asked me once, like, if you could have one thing, like, what would be... Um, 
your your I don't remember exactly how it was framed, but like to change like education in America, because mm. like I think as teachers, all many of us I won't say all of us because that's a blanket statement, but there are many of us who find our system broken and yeah. find it like frustrating, and it needs to change. Mm-hmm. Not exactly sure to what, but I have ideas and have things like yeah maybe maybe this could work. You can add. Mr. Keemer. At yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah, absolutely. Seriously. Or email us at kharmonyclashmanjmail. Tell us your opinion. We're happy to talk. Totally. Thrilled. Please tell us. Thrilled to talk. I do want to say, if you found what Dr. Frigo had to say interesting, there is nothing like learning from him in the room. We had the privilege of learning from him here in San Diego. He came and hosted a workshop for our ORF chapter. Yes. And then I got to learn from both Dr. Frigo and his partner Marla Butkey, um, his teaching partner in uh, at CASMAC, the California All-State Music Educators oh, cool. Conference, and the two of them together are like, oh my goodness, they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're fire, um, and it, it was really incredible, so there's nothing like uh, learning from these dynamic, energetic people yeah, you in just the room. Got, if you're just listening right now, you just got a vertical slice of what it actually was, as yeah. we talked oh about, like, there's a huge difference between just giving the instruction versus doing it, yeah. and it was mind Dude, the whole solfege movement thing, like, I struggled so much, but, like, towards the so end, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, and then, like, you really, you really do f- feel and notice those whole tones and semitones and stuff. So I was like, oh my God. It, it yeah. was fun. It was I a lot of fun. I came out of that workshop really a better musician. Yeah. Yes. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get that book. Well, if you guys are listening to this and you are interested, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we hope that what we've had to say is valuable. Yeah. To the uh, segue turn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. And you've been with us for a long time. We deeply appreciate it. Please make sure to make sure that we have a wider audience to create a bigger community. Um, send us a review on iTunes or any podcast app that you use. Uh, be honest, 501 stars. We'll take it. Five stars only. Five stars and, only. Um, yeah, be honest. And we really want to hear what you have to say. Also, you can email us at. Um, Chaotic Harmony Classroom at gmail.com. Boom. I want to take a quick break and thank my husband, Brian, who's been working behind the scenes producing these episodes every week on all of the platforms and on time. But you need to know that he is first a financial planner for Mission Trails Financial. Mission Trails Financial is a partner that seeks to guide clients in the journey to financial success. They believe that people need a financial advisor that aims to provide strategies for success. Mission Trails Financial helps people navigate investments, tax planning, and insurance. Imagine working with an advisor who isn't tied to specific brands. Mission Trails Financial has a fiduciary responsibility to act in the best interests of their clients by providing independent, objective advice. Their mission is to help clients accomplish their financial goals. As Joe Vitale once said, a goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. Do yourself a favor and set up a time to chat with Mission Trails Financial. Visit www.missiontrailsfinancial.com or call 619-419-0238 to schedule a call. You'll be glad you did. We believe that leaning on professionals is how we get ahead. Check out the program notes for more information. Hey, I have a spiccato. <laughs> I brought bunny erasers. So Aren't they so oh fun? I love all the Easter stuff right now in the nice. dollar store. These bunnies are so much fun. So they're little they're little erasers. They're like an inch and they have giant heads and little pointy ears. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? How would you use bunnies? 
I can tell you what I've been doing with them if you want. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, every, <laughs> every season I find a little collection of something. Um, so I just got done using leprechaun gold and now I'm using bunnies. Mm. And I put a handful in my pocket. And when I catch kids being super good in music class, I give them one. And mm. then they can either keep it if they like it or they can trade it for an all-star, which is like a, a raffle ticket. Um, where we catch kids being good, and then nice. we we call like eight names in the morning to go yeah. to the principal's office and get a prize. So, oh. yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing. Yeah, a little I'll behavior incentive. Well. The little kids usually keep the leprechaun gold or the Valentine's hearts or the bunnies. The big Boonies. kids usually go for the all stars. Sure. Yeah. What would you do? I was reminded of um, a musician who I've been following recently, named Ellen Moon Park, mm-hmm. and she has a album out called and i mentioned it in another episode but it's called rabbit days and dumplings oh yeah you mentioned them before and i was um it's all children's music from east asia tibet japan china korea Mm -hmm. um and i finally tried out one of her songs yeah and it was so much fun that's cool yeah rabbit days and dumplings dumplings cute yep I love dumplings. I do. <laughs> I'm down to try. Them. I know. I'm now hungry. Um, I think we would be we'd miss an opportunity if we didn't do a movement activity with this. Of course. Um, so I'm thinking, if we, uh, just to completely steal Doctor Frigo's uh, soulfish thing, like if you have the bunnies as a visual representation of students trying to get to, you know, me and so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, they need to travel like the like a bunny, and so bunnies hop. are graceful, and they are like they're not aggressive in their hop, especially if mm-hmm. you're in a portable classroom. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just so you don't landing. right, and so that, that's kind of just that thought of like mm-hmm. being intentional with your movement, and so if you're just jumping like a giant, and <laughs> you know, um, but if you if you hop like a bunny, mm-hmm. bunnies are light on their feet, they're quick, and mm-hmm. so we're gonna move back and forth between these two particular pitches or a set of pitches um, quickly. Yeah, that's what Cute. I got. I think taking your idea, we have all the kids get into the middle of the classroom of a portable and they land heels first. Oh gosh. <laughs> and we do it. And make all the instruments fall off the shelf. How many, fall oh how my many, goodness. How many hops does it take to get to the center of the classroom? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Oh I did God. like your idea though. You kind of stole it. Because <laughs> I, I teach in a portable, and like I, I have gone uh, teaching classes uh, where we have to make sure we land on the balls of our feet. Yeah, and we bend our knees. And kids don't move enough nowadays, and yeah, so there's these there's the day after like the teacher came to me and said, "What do you do with the kids? Like, <laughs> Are they all jumping? They jumped. Oh, okay, <laughs> their, their legs were hurting today. As well. <laughs> oh my goodness." Oh, that's so sad. Well, like, it's really quad workout, and like, if you're doing running, you don't really work your quads too much. Yeah, so. Also, your calves, if you're landing on the balls of your feet, you're like, yeah. engaging. You can balls, you can yeah, but if you have them, if you have them like that, that representation of a bunny, like bunnies aren't aggressive, and bunnies aren't heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, yeah. just working on the idea of then balance as well. Yeah, then we can get into the dice game. <laughs> They're not aggressive unless you've been reading Benicula. What? Ooh. Benicula. Well, you didn't yeah. read this book? Nope. I know what you're talking about. It's about a bunny vampire. It's a series. Uh. It's a series, and the kids are really into it. 
Benicula. Okay, now I get it. Like now, learn, learn to it. Like it's, it's, it's relevant. It was now. popular when I was in the third grade. Well, I'm su- I don't know. I'm surprised at how relevant our bunnies were to our movie episode. <laughs> so I'm really glad. Yay! Um, and we have a round of the week. Round of the week. So excited. The doo doo round, yes? The doo doo. Scat, scat song. It's, it's, Doug, from... it's Doug song. No. We do not have the rights to perform the, <laughs> yeah. the Doug song. No. Okay. So we are calling this the scat song, and mm-hmm. we learned it in our level two. And there is that was an awesome ending. There's movement to go with it. That's actually how we learned it. Scooch to the right. Then scooch to the left. Jazz hands up. Spin around. Jazz hands down. It's like dabbing on the way down. Paint. Yeah. Paint, paint, paint dabbing, dabbing not kid dabbing. <laughs> 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 when that so die, it just won't go I think away. It's, I think it's, oh. it's not cool anymore. I had a kid the other day. It was like, oh, you still play Fortnite? Uh-huh. It's like, whoa, we're not making fun of uh-huh. people for what they still like, but I guess Fortnite's <laughs> no, it's not. I know, it's, it's not. The outs. No, it's Ooh. not. It's it's so we can start playing as teachers. I mean, you can. <laughs> people, those kids are just gonna be like, <laughs> now the whole race is TikTok. Uh, no. Always and forever. It's okay. We can't. Cool. We can't keep up with these kids. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, yeah, you guys. But before we head out, Zoe, question: hmm. uh, wh- Where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me at Miss Kumagai. You can find me at Fanny Vapa. You can find me at Mr. Kimer. You can find me at Mr. Seligman. M R S E L I G M A N on either Twitter or Instagram. I don't know if David has a. If he has social media, we'll link it below. Yeah, yeah. we will. And we'll go to AmericanEurythmics.org to learn more about his work and the work of the American Eurythmics Society. And Meaningful yes. Movement was his book. Yes, Meaningful Along Movement by David Frigo and Marla Butkey. Famous. And it is a gold mine of exactly. wonderful information. But also you, you can contact get it. us mm-hmm. at CH Classroom on either Twitter, Instagram, also Facebook, but as mentioned before, you can email us at uh, classroom at gmail.com. Please talk to us. Please. We would love to talk to you. Please talk Thanks, to you us. guys. Keep Be kind. It. Be kind. Create a culture of kindness in your classroom. Be well. Bye. Bye. The Chaotic Harmony Podcast is a joint project between Crystal Pridmore, Jonathan Seligman, Zoe Kumagai, and Mark Kamer. You can find us online at chaoticharmonyclassroom.com. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail and let us know what you think. Give us feedback about what you would like to hear in future episodes. We're on all the socials. Find us on facebook.com slash chaoticharmonyclassroom. You can find us on Twitter at chclassroom, Instagram at chaoticharmonyclassroom, and you can even find our episodes on YouTube. Chaotic Harmony is the name of our channel. Special thanks to Brian Pridmore for his help with production and equipment. www.pridmoria.com
you're going to need is all Yeah. Hmm? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Is that why we have so many buddies, Crystal? <laughs> Crystal? Um, yeah, but if you have.